What's up, everybody? Troy Cartwright here. Welcome back to another episode of Tenure Town. We have got a Q&A episode coming up soon, so make sure you've got your questions submitted at tenuretown.com. Also, we've got some events that are starting to take shape, and uh, we'd love to keep in touch with you about those. So join the Tenure Town community also at tenuretown.com. Thanks. Today's guest is Luke Laird. Luke has over 20 number ones as a songwriter. He also has a bunch of amazing producer credits, including Casey Musgraves, Toby Keith, Rascal Flatts, Tim McGraw, and many, many others. Luke is a really fascinating guy. I learned so much talking with him in this episode. I know you will too. So without further ado, here he is, Luke Laird. Thank you for being here. Man, thanks for having me. How you doing today? I'm good. Yeah? A, Did you do anything exciting? I wrote a song. Hey. It was pretty exciting. That's yeah. a pretty good day. Got done just in time to get over here. Oh, dude. Well, thank you. Thanks for being here. Um, so I always start this thing off with, with the mm-hmm. same question, which is uh, how long have you been in town? Yeah, I knew you were going to ask me that. So <laughs> I, I used my uh, calculator. That's how long it's been on <laughs> on my phone. Yeah. But uh, 26 years. Wow. If, if, if you count, which I guess, you know, I moved from Pennsylvania, came to MTSU in 1997. Okay. I count those years because you got I to. was playing writer's nights and yeah, you were doing publishers. The thing. Yeah. Uh, where, where in Pennsylvania? Um, it's Northwestern Pennsylvania. There's a, uh, a couple different towns, but they're close to each other. One's called Conneaut Lake, Pennsylvania. Okay. Which is an old a lot of Iroquois Indians from that area. Okay. And then um, a, a bigger town, which is called Grove City, Pennsylvania. And that's where I graduated from high school. Okay. Yeah. You said North. Western. Okay. Like how, how close to that? So I, I worked a couple summers in Hershey. Okay. Uh, a few that hours was, away. And that was, but like I'd go up to Connecticut and I would go through like Scranton and Allentown. Other side of the state. So okay. like I'm closer to like, about an hour and a half north of Pittsburgh. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Very cool. Same distance from uh, east of Cleveland, Ohio. Okay, so. I see. Yeah. Gotcha. How did you, like, you you went to MTSU, but, like, mm-hmm. how did you know about it? Yeah, so I found out about MTSU. My mom actually found out. I told my parents I wanted to be a songwriter, mm-hmm. and instead of crushing my dream they really wanted me to go to college which yeah. i wanted to go to school too i mean i'm also very realistic and didn't just think oh i'm gonna move to nashville and be a songwriter but yeah even though it's that's what i wanted to do um my mom from a friend found out about that they had a music business program so we were down here on a summer vacation when i was in high school and we visited the campus and yeah i said yeah this works it was cheaper than belmont yeah um yeah i saw the studios and i just thought this is close enough to nashville for me yeah this is the only school i applied to and my uh act scores weren't even high enough to get into mtsu but fortunately they looked at my sat scores that's what i was told i don't know i i can't imagine they were that great (laughs) either but they're like yeah we'll take you yeah they were like this is good enough yeah wow uh, so you came, I guess you were like 18 years old and you, yeah, I moved here. I guess I would have been 19. Okay. Um, yeah. 
and uh it was awesome i was so excited to be you know yeah. in nashville or near nashville wow did uh well i guess obviously you were already writing songs so yeah how old were you when you wrote your first song you think um honestly i learned piano like when i was in kindergarten and then picked up the guitar in first grade oh wow and once i could put two chords together i just started writing yeah now i don't know if they would be considered full songs back then but just pretty much i guess just choruses now looking back on it and just make stuff up all the time but isn't that crazy that it's like i had a very similar my, really I, yeah I, I i have like this memory of like writing a song and this was like our first house that we moved out of when I was 11. Mm -hmm. And I remember writing a song in the wow in the notebook, you know? I think it was like on top of like a BB Mac song. Yeah. But I was like That's all right. You know? And, but but nobody told me to do that. Yeah, it's not It just but it was it was in me and it needed to come out. Yeah, and there's there's something I don't know, so gratifying when you put some words and music together. And then I just remember being excited to, you know, show show it to my parents or whatever. Yeah. Play it for my family. Yeah. Um, yeah, I always loved music. You talking about maybe writing on top of something else. I used to, in high school, of course, this is pre-internet. Yeah. Well, the internet came out <laughs> when I was in high school, but, you know, it was very slow back then. Um, so if... I wanted to learn a cover song. I would have my boom box and I would just hit play, you know, listen to two lines, pause, write the, write it down in my notebook. And I think that really looking back on it taught me about song structure. Oh, like, wow. oh okay. Here they keep coming back to this. This is the chorus. Yeah. I, I mean, I did that for hundreds of songs. Really? Yeah. I was so excited that I just write down what the chords were. Were you, so I'd you were like it. kind of charting it, but yeah I, I, I was just I, over in like the margins i would say oh, okay that's a g or that's the capos on two and i'm yeah. playing in g position or whatever and i would just write the chords over there like i kind of knew where they went in the song but what, yeah it's it, it was good uh training i guess absolutely yeah that's yeah that's that ear training yeah it matters somehow i don't know how but yeah it did we all did it yeah yeah um so you're at MTSU. Are you mm -hmm. like pretty immediately doing doing rounds and all that stuff? Like, well, yeah, I, I tried to get involved um, any way I could with the writing of songs and performing or whatever. And they would do some like open mic type things in Murfreesboro and uh, and just on campus. And yeah. So um, yeah, I would sign up for all that stuff and I didn't have a car. So I couldn't I couldn't get to Nashville. So I was really stuck in Murfreesboro, which was fine. I I finally got a car my junior year, I believe, but um I uh they had a organization called the Student Songwriting Association. Okay. Which association it sounds very official, but <laughs> and um the uh the president of it the first year I was in it was a guy named BJ Hill. Oh yeah. So you know, might know BJ. Absolutely. And, uh, and I wasn't co-writing at all, but we would our meetings would consist of us just playing our songs for each other. And okay. That was pretty much it, I think. 
Um, and then when he graduated, he said, man, I think you should be the next president of the Student Songwriters Association. I was like, man, I don't think so. You know, it sounds like a lot of responsibility. <laughs> and uh, like, no. So I did. But, it, you know, I met some neat people in that. Dave Barnes. Yeah. Um, a guy named Brandon Heath, who's a Christian artist, who's really good. Um, so it was cool, yeah. And just, you know, probably like, probably like you, just being around a bunch of songwriters, um, it's inspiring and it's very inspiring was was really cool and especially when you're for a lot of us i think like when you're growing up you know you're on an island oh yeah yeah so all of a sudden there's people so like when you. yeah it's like oh my i mean that very cool th- yeah i was like i was 26 when i moved to nashville so i mm-hmm. had not really found that and yeah. then when i discovered what it was i was like what this yeah. is a real place. You all know? these people, yeah. All these people that like care about this thing as much as I do. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's it's really cool and it yeah. can also be, you know, intimidating, but yep. It's like you want to be where the action is, so. That's that's where that the whatever it is, the youth, the youthful swagger that you have. Yeah. is so helpful, you know. It's like I was I was too I was too full of myself to be intimidated. Yeah. Almost. <laughs> like, I'm really good. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Um, so how did that sort of like, what was the process from getting, I, I guess you graduated from MTSU I and then I, I guess eventually you got like your first deal somewhere. Yeah. How long was that? And sure. how did that work? Um, well, it's interesting. So there's a guy, who's from my hometown named Bill Luther, who's a songwriter. Yeah. And I didn't know Bill growing up, but um, he was just enough older than me that we never crossed paths, but my parents knew him and his family. And of course, when I was down here, they're always like, you should try to reach out to Bill Luther. I'm like, I'm not going to bug this guy. I mean, I knew who he was. Yeah. Um, at this point, he had had quite a few hits, Kenny Chesney, Tim McGraw, different things. But my parents were in town one weekend and they had got in touch with bill and he goes you guys should come over to our house they're you know grilling out or something said have luke bring his guitar so i took it and he's like play me something i was super nervous but i played him something i wrote yeah um, he was very encouraging he was like man he goes i think you're i think you could get a draw somewhere and i didn't know what that what the word draw even meant but like basically get a publishing deal and it's like really and no one had ever told me that you know, who was from the business. Yeah. So, I mean, I just went home that night on cloud nine and he was like, I'm going to, I'm going to introduce you to somebody at my publishing company. And I was like, okay. So he introduced me to Chris Oglesby. Oh, um, I, I got a meeting. This was, I was a junior in college, got a meeting with Chris and, um, he said, just come and play me some stuff. So I printed my lyrics out and, Took them in, took them in there. First time I set foot in a pub, real publishing company in Nashville. And I just remember seeing like the gold records on the wall, and like, wow, this is crazy. People writing songs in the yeah. rooms. And um, I played him a, a, a few things, and uh, I'm sure they weren't very good at all. But he was very encouraging. He's like, man, I really like what you do. Um, when you write some new stuff, just call me up and come in and play me some more stuff. So I was very excited. Um, you know, he wasn't like, hey, we want to offer you a deal. But, yeah. But he he gave me that, you know, Chris, like, Chris is so great, 
especially with young writers, at finding that one or two little things they do that makes them unique. Mm. And he'll kind of point that out. Um, and he's good at critiquing songs too. Like, hey, I think maybe like the second verse, uh, you know, you kind of just bailed out on it, which I've done a lot. Like, I've, I still do it. Um, <laughs> I'm always yeah. like, well, if they get to the end of the course and they don't want to cut it, the second verse is, they're not going to all of a sudden, I don't like it, but that second verse. The second verse, um, the second verse has never changed anyone's mind. Yeah. <laughs> but Chris was very encouraging and he actually introduced me to a handful of other publishers. So all of a sudden I started getting publishing meetings and I met with Rusty Gaston, who at the time was at Song Garden, yeah. Carla Wallace, Big Yellow Dog, Troy Tomlinson at the time was at Acuff Rose Music before they got bought by Sony. Um, so great publishers in town that would had an open door and I would go play them stuff. And they were all wonderful and encouraging, but uh, Scott Gunner too, Oh, was yeah. Scott was awesome. He was at a company called Almo Irving that ended up getting bought by Universal. But um, he said, "Well, man, do you have any of your stuff on a tape or a CD that you know I can?" I was like, "Man, I don't. I don't really have the only recording access I had at that point was a four track cassette recorder at my mm -hmm. dorm room, and um, that was did not sound good." Um, <laughs> he said, "Why don't you you can come up um, one weekend and use the studio?" And I have an engineer, and if you just sit in there and played like 10 songs. So I just sat in there. They set up two mics. I recorded like 10 songs I'd written by myself. and um, But then I had something on a CD so I could hand out. Yeah. So I'll never forget that. He was very encouraging. Wow. But again, that was, that all happened probably in my junior year. So I get to the end of my, I'm hoping maybe I'll get a pub deal by the time I get out of school. So I got a job, you know, yeah. and that just never happened. Uh, no one pulled the trigger and um, I ended up getting a job, taking a job with Brooks and Dunn, uh, working on the road just as an assistant for their tour manager. Okay. So it was a great job because I didn't know anything about the road, but I learned a lot really quickly. And those guys were great to work for. I told them when I took the job that I was, you know, really trying to be a songwriter, but yeah. Um, and the, and they were supportive of that. And we would be on the road typically like a Thursday through Sunday or something like that, you know, yeah. how tours work. <laughs> and uh, when we'd get home on late Sunday or early Monday morning on Monday nights, I would was I, at this point I was still living in Murfreesboro, but I had a car. It was a, 1989 Chevy Celebrity. Pretty sick. Google it. You know, Dave Barnes in college said, "Oh, the Celebrity." He goes, "The the, the only car they don't drive," <laughs> which I never forgot that. But I, I would drive up here Monday night. Every Monday, I'd play at a place called the Broken Spoke, and um, it was cool because it was a good writers' night. Lots of new writers, and then later in the evening, like the hit writers would play, and so. At that time, it was guys like Tony Lane and Chris Wallen. And Tony was just, you know, he's so good. And yeah. I would bring, I had a little, it looked like a Walkman. It was a little cassette recorder. And I'd basically bootleg, bootleg his sets because I'm like, this guy's songs are amazing. I could listen to them in my dorm room. Yeah. And so I did that, you know, while I was working for them. And finally, in like, I don't know, the fall of, 2002 so that i graduated in december of 01 okay so probably about fall 2002 chris um 
offered me my first publishing deal. The, the first publisher I met with, Chris Oglesby, ends up being the guy who offers me a deal. Wow. And, um, you know, it was just so exciting. I, you know, as, as a songwriter, like a big moment, you know. Yeah, of, of course. And so, yeah, that was my first publisher. And um, in a way, they were really my only publisher until Beth and I started Creative Nation because Universal ended up buying them. And I was in that system for, I think, um, 10 years or close to oh, it. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Pretty wild. Yeah. But but very exciting times. And when I signed at BMG, um, they had a lot of great writers, Amy Mayo, Chris Lindsay, Hugh Prestwood, um, and then Craig Wiseman was just knocking it out of the park then. It was right before yeah. he left to um, start Big Loud. Okay. And um, those guys were all very encouraging. Um, one quick funny story. We used to do a lot of guitar pulls, and our publishers would get with another publishing company, especially for new writers, I think, to meet and everything. Yeah, yeah. And so we did a BMG Seagale uh, guitar pull over at BMG and lots of new writers and um, I, just to meet. And I remember playing my song, probably like you said, probably I was probably very confident in this song that was not, I had no reason to be confident. <laughs> But then the, they're like, okay, one of our new writers is going to play. And he started playing and singing. And I was like, this guy, if this is what new writers are like, I'm way, up, way out of my league. And it was uh, Chris Stapleton. <laughs> and I realized not long after that, oh, he's an anomaly. That dude was, I was just like, holy oh my God. cow, this guy. But um, yeah, yeah, that'll, uh, <laughs> that's a tough voice to follow. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. It was it was amazing, but Chris and I met through that and started writing and stuff, but but it was it was good times and all the veteran writers were very kind and Craig Wiseman um was always encouraging yeah to me and uh, you know, just grateful to have that experience, you know, as a as a brand new songwriter. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Yeah, that's and I hadn't co-written either. I think I co-wrote two songs before I signed a publishing deal. So then oh, getting really? thrown into the five days a week, it was yeah like a big learning curve. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, totally different. Um, I don't know. Like I, I was saying, I wrote by myself for years, mm -hmm. and then when you start co-writing, you're like, all right, this is kind of a different. It's yeah. a little bit of a different skill set, but I think it it's is. so important to oh, know yeah. how to write by yourself. Oh yeah, that's how. I mean, that's how I still get most of my ideas. I have to be sitting there by myself with a guitar. And, yeah, but it is. I do think it's important to do, and then I think it can make you a better co-writer. Yeah. So, are you like doing? How does some of this production stuff sort of like that you do like fold fold into this thing? Oh, like doing tracks or whatever. Yeah. Oh yeah. So that's funny how that. Um, I never. I, I was never really a studio person okay. or knew how to make beats or tracks, but probably about five years into my publishing deal, um, I would do the typical write songs, write them in my notebook, record them on a cassette, uh, work tapes. Um, and then we'd hire the band and go in and do demos, and, yeah. um, was which is awesome. I mean, the players are... But I remember you know, getting some of these demos back and I was always just kind of let down because it, it wasn't how I heard it in my head, but I wasn't the best communicator knowing all the lingo, like, no, I hear it more like this. And so I got my first Apple laptop, um, probably like, I don't know, 2000, 
six, seven, something like that. Yeah. And it had the free garage band on there. It's like, oh, let me mess with this a little bit. And um, all of a sudden I was like, oh, okay. I think a lot of what I'm not getting right in the studio is the feel or the groove. And mm-hmm. I can just program that in here. And all of a sudden these little garage band demos I were, was doing uh, were more compelling than the actual. And it just kind of, yeah, things, I mean, I, I feel like I've started writing better songs, but also I feel like my demos um, kind of stood out more, not mm-hmm. because they sounded more professional, but they, you know, I, had, I took time to put like actual, you know, hooks in there, musical hooks. Yeah. Um, and so I jumped from GarageBand to Logic um, and I just started doing tracks, you know, just for fun i still i mean i still do demo sessions but a lot of times i'll bring tracks in but i learned a lot about just the production of a song through sitting there working by myself well yeah you were you getting your hands dirty oh what i'm I'm like oh okay this what i hear more is like 16th notes and you know Mm -hmm. i didn't know how to say all that because i don't didn't know how to talk in musical language what that was but i'm like i can play it like this um I'm not a great bass player, but I can get a pick and figure a part out. Yeah. So, yeah. So that that kind of my first few cuts, I didn't do tracks or anything like that. But then several after, um, probably the first big one of just a basic track I did um, demo. I mean, we built it in the room. Was a song I wrote with Red Aikens, "Take a Back Road." Yeah. And it was very raw, but it had like a defined feel to it um a defined uh guitar riff did it have that riff yeah like that it what yeah Yeah. and and then and then um a a background part which i learned oh they listen to even the like if you come with the hooky background vocal for Mm -hmm. demos that can be good like so we did on american kids like making it doing the doing all the yeah yeah oh, oh, like those things you realize oh they like hearing that too so it, it was it wasn't just it was like yes writing the song the lyric and everything but then if you add a couple of these other little things that because really as a songwriter when an artist is listening to a handful of songs you're just trying to get their attention mm-hmm. so it doesn't even have to sound perfect but just something that's what's going to sound different than a, you know the time a cd with 10 other songs on it yeah and so that's what what i was always thinking how can i get somebody's attention yeah i guess looking back right it's easier to connect the dots but like it sounds like once you sort of figured out your your spin on it right your differentiation mm-hmm. doing like okay i'm gonna make these these tracks i guess i don't know if they called it that at the time i you probably know? i don't know but like that sort of do you feel like that was sort of the moment where like the I don't know. It opened up more a little bit just in terms I of think so. the success you started having. And I think so because I also think as, as writers, you know, we should ideally we're ahead of the curve because we're yeah. the, you know, the creation of the song. So it would free me doing demos is like the most creative thing I get to do. Cause I don't have to necessarily think, will they play this on the radio? Well, it doesn't matter because my demo is not getting played on the radio. And if some, but if it gets somebody's attention enough to want to record it, that's, that's the idea. So I think, 
you know, I learned too, a, lo a lot of the songs of mine that got recorded were, I think, because they kind of felt good. And so when I would write in a room, I a lot of songs I would start like with a beatbox. Um, and then pre me doing tracks, that would kind of, that feel would kind of all get lost. Um, mm -hmm. So I learned, oh, if I do a track with a, and I can, I can layer that in there and then I can even program almost that kind of thing. Immediately, the feel is exactly how I want it. Yeah. Um, it doesn't get lost in the translation of trying to tell a musician to do, like just put it on there, which is funny because I've had like, I don't know, a number, at least five different, four or five I can think of that my beatbox track made it all the way through onto the radio. <laughs> a lot of people might not hear it unless you really listen for it, but yeah. I was like, okay, maybe because I would think, well, if I do that, then they might not think it's country, but I'm like, it's like some of the country stuff I've written. It's just, you're just trying to get a feel. It's all, it's it's the emotion. That's the whole yeah. thing anyway. And that's, it's the same thing with writing lyrics. You're trying to keep that emotion. And, and once you start trying to, I don't, you know, surgically make things exactly right, you, you can tend to lose that. You know, yeah. you can have two amazing lines next to each other, but sometimes they cancel each other out. Uh, that's true. Yeah. You know. And uh, yeah, I think we've all, as songwriters, felt the pain of the, I've seen it at Seagale on the wall. It's like a meme. It's like my demo. It's like perfect. Yeah. And that it's like first the cut and it's like, you know, all messed up or something. And yeah. It's, it's weird. <laughs> I, you know, fortunately I haven't heard too many. I think when you get a song cut, I may, I've may have heard a few things. I'm like, I don't know if I would have, but then. If it makes it to the radio, I'm yeah. like, I really do kind of like this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sounds pretty Wait, great. That's pretty good, actually. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> what was your first, uh, was Take It Back or was that your first number one or? That, no, um, my first number one was um, a song called So Small recorded by Carrie Underwood. Yeah. Um, the way that happened was, and I wrote it with Carrie and Hillary Lindsay. Okay. And Hillary and I um, had just written. We she was one of my earliest co-writers um, after getting a publishing deal. We wrote so many songs, the two of us together, as well as different three ways and things. And I mean, Hillary's always been great, but that first Carrie Underwood record, I mean, for real, really put her on the map because Carrie cut a bunch of her songs. Yeah. Wrote Jesus Take the Wheel. Um, so Carrie was coming into her second album and, uh, she was wanting to do more writing and Hillary called me and was like, Hey, I, I think me, you and Carrie Underwood should write. And I was like, yeah, that'd be amazing. <laughs> when Carrie had just sold like 6 million records. I'd rarely, rarely got opportunities with a big artist like that. Yeah. But also the same guy who signed me a first pub deal at the time. He wasn't at the publishing company anymore, but he was helping Carrie and her team find songs. He okay. helped her before the Chris before yeah. the first record, and then so really having him along with Hillary, like saying, "Hey, this is you should write with Luke." I mean, I had no, I think I had two cuts. Yeah. Um. So we, we wrote two days back to back. Um. 
first day we wrote So Small. The second day we wrote another single off that record called Last Name. And so that was my introduction. And I'll never forget, I mean, to getting to having something on the radio. Yeah. I'll never forget Chris calling me and saying, well, first I remember Carrie Underwood's going to cut this. I was like, wow. And then when they said, you got her first single off her second record, I was just like, this is unreal. Wow. And um, yeah, it was, you know, my first, Carrie was my first two number ones, and my third one was Blake Shelton's song called Hillbilly Bone that I wrote with Craig Wiseman. <laughs> of course, yeah. And Craig's like, I didn't, I just, you know, I thought maybe you only wrote girl songs. <laughs> like, no. Yep. Oh, my God. So, what did that feel like? The fir- Did the first one, like, were you having any moments of doubt along the way beforehand? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Always, you know. Yeah. Um, you feel like, hey, this is what I'm, meant to be doing it feels natural like writing songs is my passion um but you're always like getting a publishing deal is a big deal Mm -hmm. because um that's like somebody saying we're literally willing to pay you even if it's not a lot of money to write songs and i still wake up like i can't believe i get to write songs for a, a living yeah but then it's the whole well, am I ever going to get a cut? You know, I, I, I got my first cut three years into my first publishing deal. And then it's like, well, will I ever have a song on the radio? So then two years after that first cut, um, I had my first hit. Yeah. And um, it is a, it's a really cool feeling. Um, and, you know, people say, well, after you had that, did you feel like, well, now I got to do a get? I, I never really had that feeling. I was just so grateful. I'm like, can't believe this happened and i felt like the songs i was writing were good enough to be cuts um but it just takes time and uh i i was willing to put the work in i really enjoy writing songs um and it's it can be so tough sometimes as a writer because you don't have control over or I don't have control over what gets picked to be the single or yeah. cut or whatever. I mean, you may put your two cents in, but um, like the only control you have is in the room as far as like, how how can we make this just awesome? Like just try yeah. to make this a great song. And um, I was just, you know, and when you, once you have a hit, you do get some more opportunities as far as like, they trust you. Like, okay, maybe Carrie Underwood will write with me again. Mm-hmm. And that happened. And some other writers, you know, yeah. Um, that maybe I wanted to write with finally would write with me. And, uh, I don't know, man, it's it, it, but it, but i I remember hearing it for the first time on the radio and I was driving to a co-write in my truck and it came on and I was just like, this is crazy. Like, it's just so surreal. Yeah, it really is. And the, the mo one of the most surreal things hearing your song on a radio radio is, um, when you'd go back to your hometown and then you hear it play on like the station you listened to That's growing so up. It's just like, wow. Yeah. Really cool. Does it ever get old? No, <laughs> no, it doesn't. So many of my songs I can remember like the exactly where I was when I heard. Yeah. I know I'm kind of going off on tangent, that's, but um, that's great. First time I heard pontoon, that song, first of all, I wrote it with Natalie Hemby and Barry Dean, but, when we finished it, I mean, we were dying laughing, but I always felt 
like people ask, did you, how do you know when you wrote a hit? I'm like, well, I, I never, you don't know. I mean, yeah. it, when you get to this point or you have a publishing deal, every day you write songs, you think, I could hear somebody recording that. Mm -hmm. But when we wrote that, I was like, ah, it's it's definitely a little different, but I'm like, I, I really felt deep down that if, if it had a chance, it would at least, I mean, I knew it'd be kind of polarizing as far as just kind of quirky and stuff, but I'm like, the reaction I get when I play it for people, whether it's laughing or just like they don't see it coming, I'm like, if it can just get high enough on the chart, I think it's got a chance. Yeah. And then when Jay Joyce produced it, he's such an incredible producer. He he can he leans into that kind of just enough a left to center, but it was still kept it very commercial. And Jay called me and had me come play because the demo for that song was literally two Telecaster tracks. A, like a simple drum loop and incredible Natalie Hemby vocal. Mm. Um, but he had me come play my Telecaster, just the part that I played. I mean, just the rhythm part. And yeah. um, I went into the studio over at Sound Emporium and the band had been rehearsing. Um, and I went in, he goes, okay, just go in there and sit down at my guitar station and here's the headphones. And I put it on. And they counted the band off and I started playing. And I mean, his mi the mix was dialed in. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so, does not sound like anything in like such a great way. And I yeah. left the studio just like, I called Barry Natalie. I'm like, I don't know if it's a hit, but if this thing comes out, it's going to stand out. Cause it's, it, and, and I'll never forget, I was driving into Music Row and I was on Granny White at that um, little park over there in 12 south i literally had to pull over just to take it all in because yeah like, this is amazing yeah oh my god that's so awesome yeah i love cool. that what great story well i i think you know what i'm what i'm picking up on from your story a lot of it is like these weird moments where or, or not weird moments but like specific moments where you've it's like we don't have a lot of control as songwriters but yet Every time you've sort of exerted more control in your career, like it's sort of like been a real asset to you, right? Like starting with, with the tracks and then it's like, because mm -hmm. that is something, it's so easy to go, oh, I made the demo or we recorded this demo and it's not what's in here. Yeah. You know, it's not coming out. So like a lot of people will probably just go, it's just the way it is. Yeah. You know, but but not you, you know, you're going like, all right, well, what can I do? Mm -hmm. You know, so then, you know, you start doing your own thing and that makes it really special, right? Yeah. And that kind of helps it cut through and then like, yeah, same thing, like Pontoon. What an incredible song. And it's like, Just, you know, obviously uh, not everybody gets the opportunity to go get to get to play the guitar on the, yeah. on the recording, but it was because you made the demo. Yeah. It was such a thing. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I don't know. I just wanted to highlight that because I, I think it's really special and really interesting. And I think it's very inspiring. Oh, um, thanks. Um, yeah, it's the control thing is, is can be rough on a creative, you know? Uh, yeah. But, <laughs> but now you've got, I mean, do you think that that had something to do with you kind of starting your own thing with creative nation? Yeah. You know, um, that, you know, if I wasn't married to Beth, I mean, Creative Nation would have never have happened. I'd just be trying to get a publishing deal somewhere else. Yeah. But we were at a point 
both of us in our careers. You know, I'd been at Universal for 10 years. Um, she had worked at a couple different publishing companies and then had been at BMI for five years. And we were just at that point, like, you know, what's next or where, where do we want to, where do we want to see our careers go? And what she does and what I do is it's such a compliment to each other. Cause she's so good with creatives and, um, with she's great business sense, which I don't, <laughs> um, but we're like, what happened was I sold uh, my first catalog and we just like, we're like, let's just bet on ourselves. Yeah. Start a little company. I'm like, worst case five years, we lost some money. And I think we're both at a place where we could get, still get jobs. Yeah. I could maybe get a spot writing somewhere and I'm, you're so smart. You could work anywhere. And so we just kind of went for it. And we, we really wanted to have, um, you know, a company that where we could sign in talent that we truly believed in. And I, I had a unique perspective as coming up from a songwriter's point of view. I never wanted people to feel like whoever we signed, I didn't want to do bad business, but I didn't, I never would want someone to leave feeling like, man, we really got screwed, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm always kind of looking out for that. And she's, she feels the same way, but I can see it as a, as a new writer coming in. What, what are things I would have wanted to know or how would I have wanted to be treated? And I was treated great by a lot of the people at the publishing companies, but, um, so it was really, and it is creative because you really get to curate, you know, the types of writers Mm -hmm. you want to attract. And, um, we've been extremely blessed with, you know, the writers we've had, everybody that we've signed, it's like they write songs that I wished I could write songs like. Yeah. <laughs> so it's that's awesome. And I mean, there's just so much talent in this town. Like, yeah. So it's inspiring to me. Do you have any, uh, do you have any tips on, uh, being in business with your life partner? My, <laughs> my, my, my life partner, um, uh, be talented. <laughs> No. no, I mean, because uh, like I... Oh, I you do, mean be, me being... Like, are you doing the same thing? I, Me and my wife do a lot of... Do a lot of... Like, you see this podcast, you think it's you think it's me. Yeah. But it's 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 really... It's me and it's Ben and it's 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 my wife. Um, you know, behind the scenes and like... You know, some... Yeah. Like, it, sometimes you... You're... You get home from work and, you know, you're, you're hanging with, with your wife and then you're eating dinner and then it's like, okay, now we got to talk business, you know? Yeah. And those lines get, so it's, uh, so I'm always curious. Like, I don't, I don't know that I've ever taught anyone that, uh, um, I mean, just start having <laughs> kids. You'll be good. Okay. No, God, just kidding. Um, yeah. You know, I think one thing, I don't know. Does your, is your wife a songwriter? No, she's okay. an, she's an attorney. So different. I uh, do think that's good. I yeah. mean, I've seen obviously a writing couple's, make it but i think yeah. one thing that's helpful is we even though we work together like our day-to-day is like we're so separate like mm-hmm. as far as like you still come home like how was your day like we're not sitting in the same room all day which i see yeah. i love hanging out with my wife but i i feel like that could be rough you know yeah. every day yeah. um i don't know i don't know if i have any good advice we we like we'll sit there and we're like Oh, we're talking about business again, but we enjoy it so much, know. you know, that's, dude, it's and I think if you're enjoying it, that's, 
okay, you know, it's if it's causing tons of friction, then that might be time to reconsider the uh, yeah. The <laughs> now we're like we just went to Japan, nice, and we're like, I just remember we like land in Japan, and I'm like, all right, I know. I know we shouldn't, but like we got to talk about this podcast for a second, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And then for the next three hours, we're just talking about it. But we love it, you know. I mean, it's it's so much fun, and you it know, is. when you when you love something, it and is. you get to do it with somebody that's special to you. Like I don't know, I I, I think a lot of people would be like, "Don't do it," because well, no, a lot of people did tell us that, yeah. and I understand <laughs> the concern and why, but you know it's been for us it's been amazing yeah and awesome and we you know we get each other so she understands songwriters mm-hmm. um and yeah we know each other's you know the business that we're in so it's not like if you if i came over every day to somebody who doesn't work in this business or something it might be kind of hard to explain a few things yeah yeah um but no it's I, I don't have great advice. I'm sorry, but I'm <laughs> no, just, uh, just talking about it is good. It's yeah. nice. It's nice to know, like I'm not completely insane. No, Somebody else is, is, you're is not crazy, you know? <laughs> no, that's awesome. That's cool. You guys do that. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think like a, a more specific question. Like somebody's just moving to town, but mm-hmm. like, I think a lot of people struggle with the, like, okay, I'm writing. What can I do? What can someone do that's like maybe they're, you know, already feel like they're writing great songs, but just how do you get, you know, to the next, the next part? Like, what do you remember anything along the way that sort of? I'm trying to think. Um, it it can be frustrating when you feel like you're writing really good songs. Maybe it's not happening. Um, I've you know I've had kind of this. You know, I, I guess for me, I just don't ever want to get to a place where like I'm become bitter or start being the guy that's like everything new stinks and all that. And, yeah. and and I I think one way I've protected myself from that because the reality is I'm not having I, I'm I'm very grateful. I mean, it I don't want to sound ungrateful, but I'm not having like the hits I was like ten years ago. But I feel like I'm writing really good songs, stuff I'm proud of. And so much of it is what is your schedule like day to day? And sometimes just writing another song isn't the best thing to do. So mm-hmm. if I look at my calendar and this hasn't happened in a long time, but I would look at it and it'd be like, you're kind of like, Oh, why am I doing that? Or yeah, absolutely. And and that can happen. Um, you know, pu- publishers, there's some really great publishers, but then sometimes it's just, they're just trying to fill days Mm -hmm. and it's not always what's best for each writer. Some writers only need to be writing three days a week. Yeah. Some writers might only need to be having two co-writes and then have two days to write by themselves. And if you don't take into consideration as, as a publisher, how, how each one of your writers operates, it can burn them out really quick, quickly. And, um, so for me, when I look at my schedule, 98% of the time, it's like, I'm excited. And that immediately, even if I don't have an idea that day, I'm excited because I'm like, this something could happen. But if when you walk into a room and it's you're already like, 
oh should i cancel or i hope that i really really hope they cancel um that's not good like you start stacking those up back to back it's just you can't expect a quality product to come out of that yeah so that didn't really answer the question is like what if it's not moving as fast as you thought it would i think you know at the end of the day it's like there's no guarantees in this business and if you think about i doubt any of us got into it because it's like oh we're gonna make a lot of money doing this it doesn't mean that you shouldn't expect things um but i also think it's very important to remember if you're getting to do it and getting paid even if it's a little amount it's should be very grateful because there's so many people um who maybe haven't got that first pub deal yet or have and haven't had any cuts but i think if if you're enjoying it and and you have the talent you obviously have the talent if you've somebody has believed in you um in this town and now i'm speaking more to like signed writers but um you know, I think it's important to see, get, get with people who make sure people are really honest with you and be honest with yourself. I mean, I early on would turn in these demos. I think these are really good. But then if I've stacked it up against Craig Wiseman songs, I'm like, there's like two songs of his that I just heard that is like nothing I've written. And I can tell he's kind of ahead of the curve. Mm. Um, I need to dig in a little more and try to find something that's going to make, I kind of go back to that. If you're once, if you have one song, if you have an opportunity to have a one song on a playlist of 10 songs, that's getting to pitch to somebody, what's going to make this song not even, I'm not even talking about just better, but what is going to make this thing stand out and get somebody's intention um, and a lot of times it is just, it's a better song and everything, but sometimes there's just quirky little things that you can do in demos that'll get, just get the attention. Cause the best you can hope for is that an artist would actually hear it. Yeah. And then they can say no, but you're just trying to break through all these little doors and what's going to make you stand out. And it's not just regurgitating another song that sounds like that it could have been a Morgan Wallen cut because he's already doing that so like yeah you gotta find the next i'm speaking to myself now i'm always like what's next okay well Um, i feel like you've always to me your stuff has always been pushing the envelope which is really cool and it's like um i don't know did you did you like did you mean to (laughs) i'm just i just try not to bore myself to death yeah i'll do things like when I make tracks, I don't. I don't make tracks thinking, okay, let's let's see. I think if I do these things, it'll sound like the radio. I'm like, I want to do something that nobody's ever heard, mm. and that can keep it from getting cut. But if the but if the right person hears it, it could be the next thing. Yeah. So like a good example, and I'm not saying like, oh, I broke any ground this not not saying that at all but like yeah. when i did the song with uh sam hunt hard to forget mm-hmm. i got with sam and we worked on a few different songs that sounded cool like i'm like well if he likes it he'd cut this could be a hit but 
he as an artist too is looking for what's next so i had i'd made this track um i sampled this song from 1953 the yeah. uh, webb pierce song and i didn't do that thinking you know what i'm gonna make this and play it for sam hunt i was literally like this is just fun for me to do and i've got tons of tracks like that that i'm realistic don't think like hey this is gonna work for dustin lynch to or whoever you know yeah. to put on the radio but the way this makes me feel, I'm so excited right now. And and so I, I want that feeling and not like, I think this sounds like it, like, like, no, this is so different that I at least want to play it for people. Yeah. And um, I feel like I don't do that enough, but when I have done that, usually good things have happened or it's at least spurred me on to something else. I want to be excited. I don't want to hear the intro or first line and know, oh, this, I already know exactly where this song's going. Yeah. Like it just got to shift gears. Yeah. No, that's really interesting. Um, yeah. Did you, what did that, what did that, uh, track sound like when you, st when you played that for Sam for the first time, like, did it sound like that or did you it was, mess it up? It even was more? slower. Um, okay. cause I got the idea. I was eating breakfast over it first watch in green hills and i was listening to this on apple music there's a honky tonk essentials playlist and i heard that song which i actually knew that song it's probably the biggest song webb pierce ever had called there stands the glass yeah and i was like man this would be what if i like made it like what if kanye west found this record and by the way i didn't he would have done way cooler stuff than i did <laughs> with it but so I went out in the parking lot in my phone. I was thinking of the, there stands the glass. And I was like, what if I had, there stands the boom, 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 Yeah. And so I put that in my phone. And when I went to my studio, I I sampled the song and did that that bass line and the, and the, and the beat that I heard. It was way more like. Okay. And, um. So it probably never would have got on the radio. What what helped that was Zach Crow was like, I think if you sped this up, and I was like, man, you're totally right. And uh. at first when we did it, it just felt too fast for me. But I didn't, I, not to the point where like, no, this isn't right. It just, almost everything, I think a lot of writers do this. When we write it, it's slower and it could be, it probably could be faster. Um, yeah. But and it still doesn't now when i listen to him like that doesn't feel fast at all but i had it like way like laid back <laughs> i gotcha yeah you know what i mean yeah well it's hard and, to like unhear that yeah right yeah when you so, get used to it a certain way so yeah i just i had fun i made that track and just i think you know i got with sam we we're working on something and he goes you have anything else and i turned around and i was like that was in a folder i was like oh actually this is probably that perfect artist if if somebody's gonna take a shot and i played it for him and he lost his mind he's like that's what i wanted and i appreciate it so much because it's like he's got he got the same feeling that i got when i made yeah. it and was like I, I can actually he can actually turn it into something that oh, people that's will, so cool. will actually hear yeah how did you how do you like um source your ideas right do you is it a lot of listening um to to music or or, um, or do you write stuff down like what's yeah your... I, I i write um as far as ideas go just like everyone else i got a long list of titles in my notes app um and i get it you know from watching tv or from 
um, thinking a lot. I do a lot of just sitting there. <laughs> oh, relatable. <laughs> yeah, I call it stewing. That's what that's that's what I do all morning. You know. Um, yeah, and I'll think of things, um, and then a lot of like musical ideas too. Usually, when I finish my write for the day, I'll try to make a track or two just for fun. Um, just like let's just what do I want to like what would be fun to make yeah um and a lot of those are stuff that we end up using for different for different things um so and melody stuff I sing in my phone in the car like a lot of people and just like maybe maybe this is something a lot of them a lot of it is like groove ideas yeah um like chord progression things that I'll think of and I'll say in my phone I think that's like a one to a four again and again and again (laughs) Um, yeah and then here's the beat yeah and then i'll go in and yeah mess with it yeah um yeah it seems like are you a very organized person no i'm kind of and kind of not I'm, okay i'm it's weird i uh, think about all of are you no like the most disorganized person you've ever met yeah but but you have to like you have to find a way yeah I, I, i've gotten much better but I, I, the reason I brought that up is I, I'm thinking about all of the, the, the like, uh, proverbial money sitting in my voice memos. Oh yeah, that are just like uncategorized. Going back for the last six years, like I know, I get on flights and there's no Wi-Fi or whatever, and I'll just start listening. I'm like, well, that was a good idea. Yeah. What happened to that one? And then it's gone. You know, I try no. and favorite it or yeah remember or like but. title it something um, yeah cool idea 44 yeah. I'm, mine i'm like melody how many of like if i just searched melody in my voice notes like so many like <laughs> no description um yeah awesome hit melody yeah right uh, that's awesome yeah um but no i mean I, I i love that i think i think that's something that i don't know it's easy to lose track of um you know we're in the writer room from 11 to 3 mm-hmm. really all of the work is probably outside of the 11 to 3 yeah and it's hard to, it's it's for me it's always important to remember to like protect the other time too it's yeah. easy to fill your time up and i don't even have a family like i don't have children yeah, yet it, or anything that's all right you can still fill it up <laughs> oh I mean, well, it's all about, it's still to me, I mean, it's all about the idea. Mm-hmm. So if you come into a write and, and stuff does just happen as you're sitting here talking, you're like, we should write so-and-so, but so much of the time is just getting the idea. So if you come into a write and, and the idea is there, um, or somebody has a great idea, you've saved yourself however many hours. Because you might have you, saved yourself like months. <laughs> yeah, because you know, you know what you're doing. And you're right. A lot of those ideas come outside of that middle of the day writing. And yeah. um, so it's the little sparks that you're trying to get. Like if I have a hook, like I'm like, this is gold because I know. I mean, there's so many different ways we could write this, but we know what the thing is. Yeah. And um, that's what you're always trying to find yeah yeah the because we can make anything kind of sound cool but if it doesn't say anything or if it never delivers especially in this town if it doesn't deliver lyrically it's like you've almost just wasted good music and melodies and all that you just you want to land it the whole package that's right yeah it's uh we had uh josh jenkins on 
Yes. And he said, uh, you can't surf a wave that's not there. Yeah. And I've been thinking about We've that. tried it. I've been thinking about that all, like, for days. I've just been like, oh, my gosh, like, he's right. Yeah. And how many times do we do that? Do we polish up a turd? And <laughs> It's so true. Like, if you're not excited, you get to that course, you're not feeling like, I'm not saying it means get off it, because sometimes it's worth fighting through, but so many times it's like, I don't know, how should we be spending our time here? Yeah. yeah. Um, but... Yeah, we all do it, and sometimes you think, I don't know if we really did that well on that one, but then people show interest in it. And you're like, okay, I'm glad we powered through. Yeah, well, it's um, it's been really awesome talking to you. I feel like there's there's so much stuff that I didn't even get to ask you that I'm super curious about. So maybe we'll have to have you back sometime if you come. Uh, but I, yeah, I, I think. I just love, I, I can tell how passionate you are like about just making songs. Oh, I just love it so much. And dude, I think that is so cool because, you know, it's easy. I don't know. We could sit here and like talk about Grammys and stuff, but <laughs> I'd just rather, I'd rather talk to people about the craft of songwriting. It like, I you it, know, I can tell it like it sets you on fire. Yeah. And, I, I'll and, tell you, you're talking about Grammys and that yeah. like, and don't get me wrong, anything like it's that is, be is, is very cool in that, but there's, you can't, there's nothing, you can't compare the feeling of when you're in the room and you know, oh shoot, we got, or like, yeah. you, you know, you get the chills. It's, for me, I mean, no number one has brought that, no Grammy award or any accolade or anything like that as, that feeling when you're sitting in there and you're like, Oh man, I'm, I can't wait for people to hear this. Yeah. And then maybe only your publisher hears it and then it goes into the black hole. But <laughs> for that moment, you had that day with, you know, if you're writing with someone where you guys are both just so excited because it has potential. Dude, there's nothing like, and it. there's, there's nothing like it. Yeah. Um, and, and it's just so exciting and chasing the thrill of just making something new is just, so awesome yeah yeah it's really cool yeah um yeah it's like the it, it we're I, I feel like i'm always chasing that feeling of like when i was 17 and the world was wide open mm -hmm. sometimes when you're writing a song to me i get that feeling again of you're, like the possibilities of what this could be are you're, endless you're so right and so me at 45 years old i still get to feel like i'm 17 you it's pretty know? good man at least for a few couple hours a day yeah you know? <laughs> it really is man it's it's the it's the best job in the world yeah so well that's so good um well thank you again for being here thank you we'll man. uh love to have you back sometime but Thanks, uh Troy. for now that's it that's the pod see you later thanks everybody for listening keep rating keep reviewing keep subscribing we love you Talk to you soon. Bye.